Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us today. I hope you're having a wonderful day. We have a great show for you today where we welcome 
Dr. John DiMartini. He is a human behavior specialist, international best-selling author, educator, founder of the DiMartini Institute, and the author of, get this, 40 books. He's been doing, what did he say, 48 years this work? Yeah, almost yeah. five decades. Pretty a amazing. A, over a book a year, under mm-hmm. a book a year. Yeah, I'm slacking. <laughs> Step <Cannot>. it up. <laughs> um, and we really enjoyed today's conversation where we talk about the art of love, how to find love and have a fulfilling relationship. And we really cover a lot of ground today and, and talk about how to frame just the way we think about love in relationships in kind of a more broader sense. But he gives a really great story towards the end of the interview about a girl he was sitting next to on the plane who was like, I want to find my soulmate. And he broke it down for her on the three hour flight as to uh, the secret to that. So we'll let you guys listen to that story and much more that Dr. Demartini provides in today's episode. And as always, thank you guys for tuning in, for sharing the episode with your friends and family and giving us those five-star reviews. It makes us show up in iTunes more, uh, which allows us to have more downloads and allows us to keep producing this show for free for you guys. So we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dr. Demartini. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Today, we're going to talk about the art of love and how we can find love and a fulfilling relationship. And you chose uh, for our topic to to call it the art of love. So we thought we could start with having you tell us how you think about love and why it is an art. Well, I'm sure that um, many of the people who might be listening have learned the difference, hopefully by now, between fantasies and real love. You know, many people have a dopamine, amygdala-driven infatuation with a fantasy, kind of a serotonin and dopamine drive, and create a fantasy about who an individual is instead of actually getting to know who the real individual is and loving that whole individual. And their fantasies can lead to the counterbalancing nightmares uh, with false expectations. But I like to find, define love as the embracing of both the supportive and challenging components of an individual. People want to be loved for their wholeness, not for just halfness. And I'd like to think of the art of love is the art of recognizing both sides, expecting both sides, um, because each individual has a set of priorities or a set of values they live their life by. And whatever is most important to them their life revolves around and their identity revolves around. And if you do things that in their perception support that, they're going to be very nice and kind and open. If you do things that challenge it, they're going to be playing the opposite side. They're going to be sometimes cold and, and more clinically, you know, sometimes uh, mean even. And if you embrace both sides and know that to give you feedback on how to effectively and respectfully communicate what you value in terms of what they value, you learn the art of love. Part of love is is the embracing of both sides of ourselves and others in the pursuit of what's deeply meaningful both, to both people. Would you say the art of love is then loving someone unconditionally? 
Well, I don't think we're going to stay. I think we have moments of unconditional love. And then we have our, our little amygdala come online. So what we do is we have moments of unconditional love, which is our base point. And then we have our, our reactions because of misperceptions. We have our thrival state, where, which is really a, an unconditional loving state. But I don't think it's, I don't want to give people a false impression you're supposed to stay there 24 hours a day, because I certainly don't. I have my buttons pushed, but they're my buttons. And, and I, that's the whole purpose of a relationship. I, I say the purpose of a relationship is to teach you how to embrace both sides of yourself and be authentic. See, if, we're, if we get infatuated with somebody, we'll minimize ourselves, and that's not us. And if we resent somebody, we'll exaggerate ourselves, and that's not us. But when we have a moment of unconditional love, we get to be ourselves, and that's what we want to be loved for. But I don't think it's realistic to expect to be doing that 24 hours a day. I don't want to get that impression because I haven't mastered that for certain. And I think that we're here to, to learn on what we haven't loved in ourselves. And the purpose of relationship is to teach us how to be authentic and break through those, those misperceptions of ourselves and other people so we get grounded, more objective. That's a big one. And we're going to talk about finding love. And you mentioned understanding through relationship what it is that we don't love in ourselves. So how can we think about that journey, especially, I mean, whether we're in a relationship or we're looking for a relationship as as far as shoring up that relationship with ourselves? Well, you know, I, I found that when you're doing something that is truly inspiring to you, that's deeply meaningful to you, that's really high in your priority that you spontaneously love doing, you're most likely in that moment of authenticity to attract somebody that loves you for who you are. So putting on a facade is not the way to start the relationship, but being able to be yourself, make comfortable being yourself is, is a, a, a big, important component. But if you are in any way resentful to somebody and you project righteously your values onto them and expect them to live in your values, you're going to have futility. And if you're infatuated with them and expect yourself to live in their values, you're also going to have futility. Both of those are futile. But you're trying to find a match where you can be yourself around them and, and embrace the bantering of the support and challenge that they offer you, uh, the two sides, allowing you to be you. And I think that that's, that's our journey. Uh, and you're, you're most likely to attract that person into your life and run into that person when you're being yourself. <laughs> if you're actually doing something you really love to do and you're inspired by it and you're giving yourself permission to live by priority and you're more objective in your life and you're embracing both sides of yourself because that's what happens when you do, you're more likely to resonate and synchronize and notice the individual and be noticed to find that person that's going to match that, uh, that resonation. And you mentioned, you know, not trying to change the person or line them up and to be, you know, how you want them to be. And an important thing I think to realize is that you are loving someone for who they are and not their potential, not what they could become. I think, that's a reoccurring theme that we see in talking with the guests. That's that the, most people, I mean, I, 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 I've been doing this for 48 years. Okay. So it's almost five, five decades. And the most common thing I see is 
search image fantasy identification and projection and then thinking, well, I'll fix this person into this fantasy. And then, of course, you punish them every time they're not there because they're not matching your fantasy. And the addiction to that fantasy and the attempt to try to get that person to be the way you fantasize is probably the number one thing that undermines relationships. If you can't see how what they're dedicated to, what they spontaneously do every day, and what they love doing, and what's deeply meaningful to them, if you can't see how that's going to help you fulfill what's deeply meaningful to you and what's priority to you, you're going to want to fix them. And people don't want to be fixed. They want to be loved for who they are. I mean, you can ask a 1,000 people, 10,000 people, 20,000 people in a live presentation, how many want to be loved for who you are, and all the hands are up. But if you project a fantasy about how they're supposed to be and punish them until they become, and then they go out and have a, an affair with somebody, and then you wonder, why did they do betray you? They didn't betray you. You did. You betrayed yourself by projecting an unrealistic expectation on them to be somebody that's matching, matching your fantasy. And you're not actually in love with them. You're infatuated with a fantasy that undermines your love for somebody else. So breaking through those fantasies and the nightmares that they bring and getting to actually ground yourself into an objective understanding of how human behavior works liberates people from a lot of crazies in their relationship. So how would you talk to somebody who is living in this fantasy world or projecting uh, on their partner the conditions in which they would love them? How do you get them to change that mindset? Well, some people, some people have to learn by hitting bottom a few times and getting, you know, I always say that if you're searching for a fantasy, you'll attract a nightmare to balance it. But because they're, they're going to be frustrated all the time. Depression is a comparison of your current reality to a fantasy you're addicted to. So you're going to be an unfulfilled relationship, not because of the individuals not fulfilling. It's just because you can't, you're not loving them. You're, you're comparing them to a fantasy. They don't want to be compared to a fantasy. They want to be loved for who they are. So the wisest thing to do is to ask, to take a look at what they do spontaneously every day. What is it, you know, how do they fill their space? How do they spend their time? What is it that energizes them? What is it that they spend their money on? What is it that they really are disciplined in? What are, where are they really organized? What do they think about? What do they visualize? What do they affirm about how they want their life that shows evidence of coming true? What is it that they converse about most? What is it that they're inspired by? What is it that they're the goals that they're focusing on that, they're, that are coming true? And what is it they love learning about? And that gives you a great idea of what their life demonstrates is really important, not fantasies. And once you understand that, that's who they are. That's who they're. That's what their life's revolved around. And if you can't find out and ask the question, how specifically is what they're dedicated to helping you fulfill what you're dedicated to? If you can't answer that 20, 30, 40, 50 times, where you have a fluent realization of how much they're contributing to your life just by being with them, then you're going to have an alternating monologue and not a dialogue. And that eventually backfires. And if they're doing the same and two people are both kind of, you know, narcissistically expecting the other person to meet their needs instead of honoring the individual as they are, you're, 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 you've got a guaranteed learning, <laughs> learning curve that's pretty high that you might burn out trying to, to keep up with. This is a great thing to think about and ask these questions of your partner or your future partner looking at them it's almost like a very objectively, like I'm not going to try to come in and shape them or 
make them get interested in what I'm doing? Like, what do they do on their own and their natural state? And I would ask you, so we ask ourselves those questions and to someone that's in a relationship or going to find one and they ask these questions and then they, they go, well, I'm not really okay with that. Like, how do you think about that as far as maybe that's just the wrong partner or obviously sometimes then we do need to be okay with that? Well, sometimes people are so frightened of being alone because they're not loving themselves that they, they will allow themselves to cling to somebody that's not really anybody. So they're going to try to fix them into the person that they fantasize instead of just honoring themselves and say, you know what? We both have the realization that this is going to turn into a great friendship and not necessarily an intimate uh, pursuit. So let's honor that. Let's not try to force it into something. Let's allow it to be organic and let it to be a great friendship, a special companionship and friendship. It doesn't all... Not every person you meet has to be the right one. They can, you might have a whole series of people in your life that are close friends. And if you discover that this, the, the magnitude of differences are so overwhelming that the amount of work involved is not worth it. The ancient Greeks said that when you see more similarities and differences, you have infatuation. When you see more differences and similarities, you have resentment. When you see a balance of similarities and differences, you have exactly that little bantering necessity that's essential for a wild, wild relationship that allows you to grow. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for somebody that's exactly like you, you know, you're going to be, it's going to be the twilight zone. You're going to wake up <laughs> being with you. <laughs> that's going to work. You need somebody that, that challenge you enough to make you grow and support you enough. And in, in the two together is what is required. You know, if I walked up to somebody and I, I have fun with people sometimes in relationships where I said, you know, I said, uh, if I walked up to you and I said, you're, you're always nice. You're never mean. You're always kind. You're never cruel. You're always positive, never negative, always peaceful, never wrathful, always, you know, generous, never stingy, always giving, never taking, always considered, never inconsiderate. Would you believe me? They go, uh, no, their own intuition whispers to them, it makes them think of some of their darker shadowy sides, you might say, when you have a perception and fantasy about who they are. And if it's the other side, which inevitably occurs, when you see them and you go, well, you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, and just the opposite, they're also, their BS meter goes off and says, no, nah, that's not true. I can think of times when I'm in kind and sweet and positive. But if you go up to somebody and you say, sometimes you're going to be nice, sometimes you're going to be mean, sometimes you're going to be kind, sometimes you're going to be cruel. When I communicate in your values, you'll probably be open and nice and like a pussycat. If I challenge your values, you're going to probably be mean and, and a tiger. That's human behavior. That's to be, that's what you, if you expect that, you have a realistic expectation. If you don't, you have a fantasy. That is such a great understanding to come to. And I, I love the, the quotes you said from the ancient Greeks, all really great things to think about. And I want to ask you, you, you said a, a lot of people are frightened to be alone um, because they're not loving themselves. So they make compromises um, in their relationship. They're in a relationship that's not right. And they kind of know that, but then they're not loving themselves deep down. So they stay in it because they don't want to be alone. What would you say to someone in that position? Well, I would put a little affirmation into their consciousness and put it on their mirror. It says, no matter what I've done or not done, I'm worthy of love. <laughs> For start there first. Because sometimes you have injected the moral hypocrisies of individual or collective authorities conforming to society's idealism 
which is a plethora of impossible things to live by. And then you end up comparing yourself to those things and beating yourself up and wondering what's wrong with you. Einstein said, when you're a cat comparing yourself to a fish, you're going to beat yourself up because you go, you're not doing so good at swimming. And if you're a fish comparing (laughs) yourself to a cat that can climb a tree, you're going to think, well, there's something wrong with me. I can't climb. But if you honor who you are and quit comparing yourself to other people and only compare your daily actions to what's truly deeply meaningful in your own highest priorities, you'll end up appreciating and loving yourself. And when you do, you're more resilient, adaptable, and you're more in your executive function, the forebrain, where you're able to have resilience and, and, and see things with adaptability to such a degree that you can embrace relationships and their vicissitudes, their volatilities that it normally occur. So <laughs> this is something that I've been working on because I realized that I'm very, I don't how do I say this, attached to the idea that my success in whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, athletics has been a big part of my life. The way I look even is tied to my worthiness of love. And I've just really die, diving into that and realizing it comes back to my childhood and my parents. And it's something, you know, you said, like, tell yourself no matter what I've done or not, I'm worthy of love. But it's like, and, and that's positive affirmation for sure. But how could I, someone like myself, really dive into that to change this programming? Well, I, I teach a pro- program called the Breakthrough Experience. I've been doing it for 32 years. And um, every time, see, we only think we've made a mistake when we compare our actions to somebody else's values. And we only think other people make a mistake when we compare their actions to ours. But everybody around us is making decisions based on their own values, not ours. And we're making decisions based on our values, not theirs. So anytime we put people on pedestals and inject their values or put people in pits and project our values, we're not putting people in our hearts. And if we look down on people, we're careless. If we look up at people, we're walking on eggshells, careful. But if we look at people as equals, we're caring. And that's that's what keeps the ring on the finger. So if we have this idea that we're dependent on our mommies and daddies and our preachers and teachers and our social peer pressures and things, we're going to subordinate, minimize ourselves to them because we depend on them. And then we're going to inject their values and confuse ourselves. Our mission is an expression of what we value most. And when we subordinate to people on the outside, trying to conform to fit in, we won't stand out and make the difference that we yearn to express. And we won't honor the magnificence of who we are as an individual because we think we have to delude ourselves into the collective. So wisdom is not putting anybody on a pedestal or a pit, but putting them in a heart and, and going and finding out that, that your parents are just human beings. They're just human beings. They're not necessarily, uh, you know, masters of something. They may just be uh, average people. We sometimes um, compare ourselves and think, oh, my God, we have to live up to their values. But you can almost guarantee that epigenetically you've been coded to have different values than your parents, because if any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. So you got to honor your own and discover your own values and live authentically according to that. Or you're going to be a borrowed visionary and a borrowed moralist trying to live by other people's values and beat yourself up and then think you've messed up. Make a list of all the things you've ever thought you've done or not done that you've judged yourself for and write down how did it serve you and how did it serve all the people that it touched. And don't stop until you see that you've been carrying around unnecessarily this internal dialogue and judgment 
over something because you were unconscious of the upsides and assumed only the downsides of some action. But there's always two sides to every action. When people do things to you, if you sit there and you're upset about it, it's because you're not looking at the upside. And if you think you've done something and you're thinking you're beating yourself up with shame, it's because you haven't looked at the upside. Look for both sides and be more objective and you'll liberate yourself from a lot of gyrations of emotion, which in a sense curtail the expression of your genius and greatness. Often on the show, we talk about how important it is that you have matching values with your partner. So in this example that you gave of putting either your partner or someone you love up on a pedestal or in a pit based on the different value system, how do you how do you think about that in terms of a relationship and how that can potentially bring resistance or a drift in between two people if they're then realizing that they do have different value systems in a relationship? They have to. (laughs) If any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. If you had somebody who's exactly like you, you'd be bored. Mm -hmm. If you had somebody completely different than you, you'd be burned out. A healthy relationship is halfway between boredom and burnout. There's going to be times when you're going to want to throw in the towel and other times you're going to want to go and hug them. That's part of life. That's, you know, everybody's got both sides. The fantasy of trying to get only people that's going to match your value system is going to be futile. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. That's why you have to ask the question because the quality of your life is basically quite the questions you ask. How specifically is their unique hierarchy of values? I've been studying values for 43, almost 44 years and lecturing about it. Wrote a book on it, on the values factor. And one thing I've studied around the world, I've been to 154 countries lecturing. There's no two people with the same set of values. So if you're searching for somebody that's identical to you, you, you will, you're going to be a, a single person your whole life. You're going to find somebody that has variations. And if you've got somebody that's exactly like you, bored, no growth. You have somebody completely different, you're not going to relate to them. You've got to have a, what I call the vesica Pisces, where the circle and center of your being, which is your highest value, overlaps the circumference of theirs. And you got this Vesica Pisces, this sacred geometry of creation in between the two, where you have your mission, they have their mission, and then you have a common mission. But you don't want somebody that's exactly like you. That's not going to work. And if they're just exactly like you and they're thinking about it, you're not going to feel like you're growing because maximum growth and development occurs at the border of support and challenge. If you got to imagine this, if you have a, a child and a and the parents do everything for the child, support the child, give every what it wants, always please, everything else. The child's going to be a dependent. not going to grow up. It's got to have a bit of challenge and responsibility and a little kick in the butt sometimes. I think that's why we got more patting on our butt than our shoulders. <laughs> I think you need a little of both. And a healthy relationship, some of the healthiest and longest term relationships I've seen are the ones that can stand up to each other and challenge each other and support each other. And, and, and looking for somebody that's the same is going to be futile. It's not going to happen. And, you, and if you do, it's not going to last. You want somebody that's got something you respect. I always say praise plus reprimand builds respect. If you can praise them and reprimand them equally, authentically, with caring gestures, you've now got something that's called a banter. And the banter is a sign of a, a stable relationship. Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Chase and I do it regularly on this podcast, 
And it really helps us a lot to be able to discuss our issues and help find solutions with the therapist. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside and therapy definitely helps. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're struggling in your relationship or you're super happy, but you want to be proactive in your relationship and learn some tools you might need in the future. Or maybe you just feel overwhelmed with life and need someone to talk to. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better today because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I do podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash I do. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Earlier, you mentioned when not projecting our values uh, or someone else's values and looking at everyone as equals and then putting them in our heart. What do you mean by putting them in our heart? Well, after taking people through 
um, what I call the Demartini method for oh hundreds of thousands of people through it. Well, when you when you can identify, see the reason why we infatuate with people is because we're too humble to admit what we see in them inside us. And the reason we resent some in people is because we're too proud to admit what we see inside them is inside us. But I went and I went through the Oxford Dictionary. I went through every page in the dictionary and circled every possible human behavioral trait uh, that you could find. And I found 4,628 traits in the Oxford Dictionary of human behavioral traits that you're going to deal with in a relationship. And I found, I went, I wrote out the names of, of the individuals who I thought are the most extreme example of those behaviors that I knew. And then I went into my life and I looked at, I went and asked myself, go to a moment, John, where and when you perceive yourself displaying or demonstrating this same or similar specific trait, action or inaction that you admire or despise most. And I went through every one of those traits, 4,628 traits for months. And I found I had every single one of them. There was not one trait that I didn't display or demonstrate over time. I was kind. I was cruel. I was nice. I was mean. I was positive. I was negative. I was honest. I was dishonest. I was uh, thinking thoughtfulness and thoughtless. I was narcissistic at moments and altruistic at moments. And I went and I found out I had every one of them. And I realized that I didn't need to get rid of any part of myself to love myself. And when I own those, I realized that when I see things in other people that I'm reacting to with infatuation or resentment, it's because I'm too humble or too proud to admit that I have those traits. But once I reflect and have an introspection and honor that I have those, I don't need to fix them and I don't have to allow them to make me addicted or subdicted to or from them. I'm able to just appreciate them and realize that they're parts of me that I've, and if I can't love them, it's because I'm not loving me. That makes sense. So, but there is obviously a point where if you can't love them because of a trait that's toxic, then then obviously we, we have to recognize it. And that's where having the self-love helps, right? Well, yeah, but the thing, the definition of toxic is, is arbitrarily defined by the individual and their values and their wounds in the past. Anything that you have, when you meet somebody and you see somebody that you think has got more drawbacks and benefits, you're conscious of the downsides and unconscious of the upsides, and you have a little bit of avoidance and sympathetic response to protect yourself with an instinct from them. Okay, and if you store that information in your subconscious mind, anybody that reminds you and has any association with any of the character traits that you perceived in that original perception, you're going to go, oops, I have something about this person I don't trust. I, I'm going to avoid this person. And that has nothing to do with the individual. That has everything to do with you, how you interpreted them and how you perceive them. And so you label them toxic because it challenges you more than supports you. But if you ask, what are the upsides from that? What's the benefits you got from that? What's the gifts that you got? What strengths did you develop? And you balance out the, the perceptions of people. You'd be surprised when you start to love people for who they are and not the labels that you've put on them. They turn into somebody you love. So I, I, I thought I've had people in my breakthrough experience program and I asked them to write down the name of the most toxic individual that they can conceive, the person that they have the biggest resentment to in their life. And most of them put relationships. Sometimes they put parents, but usually relationships. And then I asked them to write down every trait or action or inaction that they displayed or demonstrated that they resented most, that they labeled toxic. And then I, and I did this even with Palestinian and Israeli leaders in a, in a conference, in a room. And I, I asked them to write down all these things that they think are absolutely toxic and evil. 
And then I have them go and look in their life where they do it and then look at the upsides to it. And all of a sudden they realize, wow, this is my interpretation that created this term. And I, I basically now realizing I'm drawing them in because whatever I'm trying to avoid, I'm drawing into my life to teach me how to love parts I haven't loved yet. So I, I, I'd rather not label somebody toxic. I'd rather label them as a human being, as an individual, and then look at both sides of them and balance the equation. Because when you do, you'd be surprised how people transform when you start loving them the way they are. That is a great framework to to look at other people. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but obviously there's a point where the person, I don't want to say you can't love them for who they are, but that that trait is not something you can love them for that, but maybe it's not the partner for you. Well, it doesn't mean you can't love them. I mean, I, I have people that, that uh, swore they could never love this person because they drank or because they got aggressive. But I showed them that as long as they're addicted to protection, they're going to attract aggressors. As long as they're addicted to teetotaling, they're going to attract the alcoholic because they're running away from wounds of the past and they're running back into their own wounds to teach them the lesson to love that part of their past. Because anything you haven't loved in the past is going to affect you in the future. Anything you can't say thank you for is your baggage. And that baggage goes into the relationship and then draws into the individual into your life to teach you the lesson about loving you. Because it's all about you learning about the parts of you that you're button pushed by. So, yeah, you, you can choose to go, you know what? The amount of work on facing the truth about myself is more than I want to put up with right now. So I'm going to avoid this one in my relationship so I can handle one I, I think I can grow at a rate I can handle. That may be true. But you could love. If you're on a deserted island, you'd be surprised who you could love on that deserted island. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that line, you know, between deciding who you can love and and making that. And that's a beautiful way to frame it, but also being in the wrong relationship. Do I, do I have time to share a story? I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but yeah. can I yeah. share a story? Please. It's a funny story, and it may be out of line, but I don't think so. Um, and if it is, you just tell me to stop. <laughs> I was flying from Houston, Texas to Las Vegas to speak to about 9,000 doctors there. And um, I got on the plane last. Sometimes I'm first, sometimes I'm last, but I got on last in this time. And kind of made my entrance, you might say. I learned that from a politician. And I was in the third seat on the, on the left side when I came down the aisle. And there was this beautiful 27-year-old, super beautiful blonde girl sitting next to me. And I don't care what age you are. If there's somebody that's attractive sitting next to you on a plane, it just makes the flight a better. I don't know if that's the appropriate to say, but that seems like that's the reality of it. <laughs> if Hugh Jackman was sitting next to you on a plane or, or Brad Pitt on there or somebody that you looked up to or whatever, you'd probably enjoy the flight a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there and I said, hi, I'm John. And she says, hi, I'm Tina. I said, Tina, uh, where, are you, where are you going? You're going to Las Vegas or you're passing through? She goes, I'm going to Las Vegas. I said, what do you do, Tina? I just started a conversation. And she said, well, I, I do cosmetology and I do it for, I work at the MGM Grand Hotel and I do cosmetology for all the celebrities and all the people that are, do this, the performances there. And I said, fantastic. And she says, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I'm a... I speak and I write and I, and I do a lot of speaking around the world. 
And she goes, oh, what topic? I said, well, human behavior. And she goes, oh, great. I said, Tina, what are you working on in your life? What do you, what do you, what's important to you right now in your life? And she's, well, I'm looking for my soulmate. And I said, fantastic. How would you like to meet your soulmate today? And she kind of looked at me like, uh-oh, this guy's coming on to me. I wasn't. I was just asking her a question about meeting her soulmate. And she said, well, I don't know. What does that entail? And I said, just asking you some questions. And she said, well, I guess that's calm enough, innocent enough. I said, so what are you looking for, Tina, in a soulmate? And so she started listing it. And she says, well, somebody that's highly intelligent. And I went, great. And I wrote it down on the jacket of a ticket. What else? Somebody that's handsome and good looking. Well, these are classics. Wrote it down. What else? Somebody's got ambition. Okay, great. Write it down. And somebody's got a sense of humor. Great. Great. Somebody's got resources and somebody I don't have to take care of like a mama. Okay, great. And she wrote down 22, or I wrote down 22 different items she was looking for in a mate. And these were classical things that I think majority of women would probably prefer. It's not uncommon when I go through this list. And I said, oh, fantastic now. Okay, so we're now going to go down the rabbit hole here. We're going to make you realize something about your soulmate. She goes, okay. I said, first of all, your soulmate's never missing. And she kind of paused and looked at me, never missing? I said, no, nothing's ever missing in your life. At the level of your soul, nothing's ever missing. At the level of your senses, things appear to be missing. She goes, okay. I said, for instance, let's take this first one. Somebody that's highly intelligent. In your life, who is representing intelligence in your life that's highly intelligent in your life that's a male figure? And she goes, I said, it could be one or many. It could be close or distant, but somebody met. She said, well, that's my owner of the company that owns the MGM Grand Hotel. He's extremely intelligent. I love listening to him converse. He's incredibly intelligent and we converse quite often and he comes in and I do his hair and yeah, he's a guy. And, and is it equal to the type of intelligence you're looking for? She goes, yeah, yeah. I said, and who's got the sense of humor? And says, well, it's this gay guy that's next to me who cuts hair and everything else. And we found out where she had the guy that had the sense of humor. And who's got the ambition? She said, well, back to the boss again. He's got a, he's a massive guy. He's opening up hotels. He's amazing. And then uh, and, and I said, well, who's got the resources? Well, it's him. And he buys me things. He paid a trip and he got me, helped me get a car. And he, and we started to go down the list of everything she's looking for. Who's really handsome? Oh, that's an ex-boyfriend that I sometimes go to social functions with and ask him never to say anything, just look good. And um, we went through all the traits, 22 traits, and she found out that every one of them were in her life dispersed between not one person, but a variety of people. And she kind of was humming and hawing. She says, so what you're saying is that everything I'm looking for is already in my life? I said, that's right. It's all there. It's never missing. But it's dispersed into a variety of people. She says, will I ever get it in one? I said, well, probably not. You're always going to have one person probably that you're close to intimate with that'll give you some of those things. And you'll probably have friends that'll fill in some of those other gaps. She goes, hmm. I said, well, how do I move it to one or closer to the one? I said, as long as you've got wounds of the past of other relationships, you'll protect yourself from those wounds and you'll keep diversifying it, not concentrated into one or few people. She goes, well, what do I do? I said, let's go make a list of all the males you've been with in the past. And let's look at why that didn't work out in your perception and what you're protecting yourself from. And she goes, well, I had this really guy who's really super good looking, but was a player. And this really wealthy guy that always wanted to control what I was doing and didn't want me to work. 
And we went through all the men in her life that she had had relationships with, and she took the wounds, and she was trying to avoid and protect herself from the wounds and creating this other composite individual in a variety of people in her life to make sure she was getting what she wanted according to her values, factoring in the wounds. And when I helped her go through it, then I went through and I, this is a three hour flight. I then took her through what I call the Demartini method to dissolve the wounds, to see the benefits of going through those experiences. Because until she sees the benefits of it, she's going to avoid it and be unconsciously protecting herself from having the relationship she says she wants. Because sometimes people are conscious with their fantasies and unconscious with their wounds. And when I actually broke through that and said goodbye to her at the airport, she asked for my email address. Three weeks later, she found a guy from Israel that had wealth, that was nice looking, that had ambition. She ran into the guy because the wounds were gone. And that's why watching out for the labels of toxic relationships, because if you carry that toxic relationship around, you're going to try to avoid it. You're going to keep running into what you avoid until you learn to love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, and thank you. Yeah, that's a great way to break things down as far as how to frame what it is we think we want. And I know you don't have to go into all the details. We probably don't have time for that. But what are some of the kinds of exercises you do to to heal those wounds? Well, the first thing I do, I call it the Demartini method because I've been using it now. I've been teaching it for years. But what I do is I first asked this, who specifically am I trying to avoid? What person, individual, am I trying to avoid, male or female? Then I go and ask, what specific trait do they display or action or inaction do they demonstrate that I perceive with my, my senses that I despise most? And then I go and I ask, go to a moment, me, where and when I've displayed and demonstrated that and to who, and who's perceived me that way? And where was it, when was it? And what you do is you own those traits. And I've been doing the owning of the traits now for nearly 40 years. I've yet to see anybody that can't own traits of people they admired and despised. But I see people who don't want to. They wanna be addicted to their pride and they wanna project their fingers onto other people and not look at the ones facing back at themselves. Until you can own what you see in others, and realize it's all about them bringing out of you your wounds. You're going to keep running around and blaming people on the outside, disempowering you on the inside, because any part of you that you disown, that you see in others and you project, is a disempowered part of you. It's a deflected part of you, a disowned part. And that is not how you empower yourself. It's owning it all. And that's why I said at the level of the soul, nothing's missing in you. I'm, an, I'm not a nice person. I'm not a mean person. Those are personas and masks that I may play if you support or challenge me. I'm a human being as an individual with a set of values displaying both of those at different times under different needs. So when I can find out that I'm both the hero and the villain, the virtue and the vice, the saint and the sinner, instead of trying to get rid of half of myself, I can love myself. And that's easier to then appreciate others for both sides of themselves. Otherwise, we tend to project subjectively biased labels on people and try to avoid people and seek people. We keep running from nightmares and keep searching for fantasies. We love that, Dr. Demartini. That's a great place to to wrap up and for us to think about, uh, you know, loving 
all sides of ourselves and bringing that into the world. And that ultimately is going to help us, as you laid out for this girl on the flight, find a good match. And then if we're already in a relationship, it's going to improve the relationship. So thank you for, for that story and all the great information you shared today. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online, a little bit about your book, and if there's anything we skipped over or that you want to emphasize, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, first of all, thank you for the interview. <clears throat> and uh, I think it's an important topic, as, as you obviously know, because you, you're, you're masters of that. But I, I, I can be found at drdmartini.com, just drdmartini.com. My website's an educational website. People could probably go on the media on that or the YouTube or the podcast or whatever and spend the rest of their life. They'd almost have to be a Buddhist believing in reincarnation just to get back to the information. There's so much on there. <laughs> that's, that's a joke, but then, <laughs> um, Also, you know, as far as a book, I have a book called The Heart of Love, which I outlined some of these principles. And also the values factor, the value factors. The values factor is a is a more recent book, and I'm, I really feel certain that that is an eye opener on relationships, because people want to be loved for who they are, and who they are is an expression of what they value most. So that could be very helpful to people. And um, that's it. I mean, that's where my website is, and they can go on there. But there's tons of things on there on the website they could spend and learn on. And also, there's a complementary value determination process that I would encourage you to do by going on the website. It's free, it's private, no one will ever see it except you. And it's asking you the 13 questions I mentioned to get you to be really aware, you and your partner going on there is eye-opening. And it could help open up the doorway for a more meaningful relationship. Wonderful. We'll have the links to your books as well as your website in the show notes and on our website at idpodcast.com. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, it's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.